Welcome to Master System Masterpieces. Wait, 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 George, George. We're not what? We're not here to do the podcast, man. Wait, we're, what are we doing? Then? I thought we were doing the bumper for the SNES podcast. Oh, right. I knew that. I was just doing vocal exercises. Oh, oh, well, in that case. Welcome to, to Master System Master Masterpieces. Masterpieces. Are you ready? Yeah. You're, You're listening, listening to, to Master SNES Crap. You're listening to the SNES podcast. <sighs> $200, a Super Nintendo setup costs twice as much as the old system. For the money, the company promises better pictures, sound, and adventure. Now you're playing with power, super power. You're the king, I tell you! You're the king! Only for Super NES. You're listening to the SNES Podcast, with your hosts, Soulblazer and Alessandro. the Super NES Podcast. This is episode number 25 already. Uh, it's starting to get up there some. Uh, we are covering this podcast, uh, the Capcom developed and, the Capcom developed and published uh, uh, side, uh, side-scrolling action game UN Squadron, which is a ported an arcade game and came out with Super NES back in 1992. Um, I'm joined, uh, uh, this is your regular, uh, your regular co-host Greg, and I'm joined by my regular co-host Host from Australia, like Alessandro, and uh, we are pleased. We are pleased to have a special, uh, special guest host with us tonight. Uh, somebody who in- somebody who indicated interest in being a, like being on the podcast months ago, and to beat out some other very peep, some other prominent people who want to talk about this particular game tonight. Uh, it's pretty popular, so we should feel kind of lucky that he got uh, like invited to like invited on to talk about it. Um, I'm welcome. I'm very welcome to introduce a uh, friend of the show and now new fellow, like fellow podcaster, uh, George. Uh, how's it going tonight, George? I'm all right. How are you doing? Doing okay. Glad to have you on here. Thank you for having me on. So George, Georgian's host, whose name I can't remember like right now. Sorry about Eric. that. Eric. Eric. <laughs> uh, recently started the Sega Math the, the Sega Matches to Masterpiece podcast, uh, which I've been listening to. It's uh, they only have two regular episodes out so far uh, on Wonder Boy and uh, Rocky, but... Uh, it's actually Alex Kidd. Alex Kidd, you're right, I'm sorry, yeah. Right. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. Wonder Boy was 
the name of one of the other Alex Kidd games, right? Or, or to, 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 to a different series? No, Wonder Boy is a different series. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I played some Sega Master System games, but I was an NES kid growing up, so I don't have as much experience in the library as I do with like some other consoles. But um, I know how you feel. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Speaking of growing up, did I hear you correctly say in your podcast that you were born in 1994? Yes, I was actually. Oh man, I, I man, I started college in '94. <laughs> Christ, I feel ancient. But <laughs> you're getting there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I highly recommend uh, George's podcast. It's turning out to be a very good podcast. Uh, 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 very good, very good chemistry reflect with co-host. Uh, a lot of good, interesting games to games to talk about the library, especially if you guys decide to expand to uh, European and Brazilian games, because that's really some of the gems of the system, I think. Uh, like with the overseas releases. I'm sure we will eventually, but uh, right now I'm trying to collect all the games that were released in North America. Which is doable, so, I think, like what I've heard. I, it is, but it's it's a lot of money. <laughs> those boxes are so are so boring, though. I mean, it's like the grid pattern, that's it. <laughs> Some, you know, most most of them are, but there's, you know, there's stuff like R-Type and uh, Double Dragon going off the top of my head. That True, yeah, the label releases. Yes, yeah, I forgot about that. So, yeah, you know, like, you know, I certainly welcome one more retro gaming podcast. I mean, I mean, the renaissance we've had in the last in the last year or so of all these retro gaming podcasts popping up is great because, like, you know, I I don't really care if I had any history with this system or not. Like, I'll listen to it because it's great. It's great hearing about these systems and these games and the experience and to find out about things that I want to check out and that kind of stuff. Uh, definitely, you know, definitely both educational and fascinating at the same time. So, um, I'm glad somebody, like I know, like, like I know you were trying to get this off the ground for quite a while now. So I'm glad that you finally found somebody who's, who shared your passion for the system and you guys were able to get this going. Yeah, thank you. I mean, when I started doing this podcast, I knew nothing about the master system, actually. Um, and it's just really interesting because I'm learning myself and my co-host Eric actually knew a little bit before, you know, he played it when he was a kid. Hmm. So it's interesting to see how he saw the Master System compared to how I see it now. Right. So speaking about being a kid, you obviously did not have an experience experience like Super NES uh, back during its prime. Uh, what was your, like, do you remember your first interest or exposure to the system? Do you remember? Uh, well, the thing is, I actually started off playing the NES. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I at the time, I didn't know about the SNES because I was really young. But eventually, um, a friend of mine, you know, we would go, I would go over his house and we'd play PlayStation 2 and eventually we found uh, the SNES and we, we played games like, uh, what was it, the Double Dragon uh, Battletoads crossover game. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, we played that a lot and we played some other games. I can't remember them right now. But uh, I was, I was, you know, I was decently young, but I did actually have some experience with the SNES. Like, what made you want to come on, come on, talk about this game? Like, is this like one of your favorites, or one of the first games you, one of the first handful of games that you played, or what? Well, uh, I forgot when I learned about you on Squadron, but back in 2011, I decided to start playing it actually, and it was on emulator at mm -hmm. first, right, and. You know, I, I wanted to beat the game, but the game was really hard. And I remember maybe like a year, something like that, a year or two ago, I actually finally picked up the, the cartridge for it. And uh, I was playing that on 
the SNES, and I still couldn't beat it. And, um, you know, I lost the card, but I had to go and buy another one. So uh, if you want it, I can send you it if I find it, But because uh, <laughs> I, I don't need two cards. But, um, yeah, this game really kicked my butt. And then when I saw that you were doing this podcast, I thought, you know, you and Squadron's a really good game, and it really needs to be covered. And, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's not really that obscure, but I'm sure a lot of people still haven't heard of it. Yeah, definitely. Like I said earlier, like, you know, there are other people who are interested in, there are people who are definitely interested in coming on, like, coming and talk about this, to, to, to coming on and talk about this game. Um, I don't know, I'm not really sure how well, I'm not really sure how well the games remember now, but I remember, uh, but I remember when it came out. This is very, uh, this was a very impressive, like, early launch Super NES game. Uh, it really did a good job of showing off this, of showing off the system, showing off the system capabilities for graphics and for graphics and sound, and also, like, and also, and also the skill that the system could do the port for like the arcade game because um, uh, because like the original the original arcade game came out in April uh, I'm sorry August of 1989 and this was released in Super NES in, in Japan in July 91 and the North America in September 91 and the rest of the world didn't get it until December of 1992 um, but besides Super NES this game was also ported to ported at the same at the same time. For the Amiga computer, the Amstrad uh, CPC computer in Europe, the Atari ST, the Commodore 64, and the Spectrum, and there's a very good Let's Compare video series on YouTube. Uh, highly recommend. Uh, the guy does a whole bunch of a whole bunch of videos uh, comparing games across various platforms, and we definitely got the best version of the version of this game on Super NES. Uh, the other versions, the other versions all suffer problems like poor graphics. Uh, not playing music during the game, uh, uh, playing different music, uh, different options. So uh, we definitely got the best version. Like, we definitely, we definitely got the best version, the best version of, of this game, like the Super NES. So I, I would agree that this is the best version overall. You know, even over the arcade version. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I've seen the arcade version, and it doesn't appeal to me as much as it does the SNES version. Yeah. I... I, I, yeah, I actually remember playing this game like in the arcades back, back was new and really liking it because you know I was a big fan of Capcom's other like other like airplane slash space shooters like 1942 and 1943 the Battle Midway are favorites of mine, uh, especially 1943. That's when I still play like on a regular basis. So I really liked this game and I never actually bought it for my system. Um, like you know I I kind of favor I kind of favor Gravity's three a hair more for being the like, like being the best side side scrolling shooter for the system I think, but I did borrow uh, and or rent the game quite a lot uh, like as a kid back then. Um, so what about you like you know like Alessandro what's your history like of the game? Yeah, I played this very late. Um, I've known about it forever. Um, it's something that uh, you know I've, when I discovered it, it really kind of is the only shooter game that I actually enjoyed except for maybe R-Type 3 um, just due to the fact that it's got an anime background. As I've said in previous podcasts, I'm an anime fan, so to see something put together like this, I never played the arcade port, but to play the Super NES version um, and to know that it's better, it's such a well-put-together game um, and there's so many things I love about it. So for me, yeah, it really um, gave me an opportunity to enjoy this type of genre um, where in the past I didn't really um, like playing something like this. Yeah, I actually didn't know that this game had an anime background until I started doing research on it this week. Um, uh, uh, this game is called Area 88, uh, like in Japan, and it's based yes. upon um, 
uh, like based upon the Magnus series, uh, like the same name, uh, with the same three main characters that you can have in the game yes. are also are also from that series. I'm not uh, sure if you notice, but when you finish uh, doing a mission, like on a base or something, uh, the icon actually changes to an 88 on yes. the screen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Well, it's yeah. It's called Area 88 in Japan. Right. Um, right. So that was the title, but the anime series is very underrated. So if anyone's out there that hasn't seen it or hasn't heard of it, I suggest you check out the series because it's um yeah really fun. I actually looked this up and I saw that, and I really wanted to watch it. I didn't get a chance to do that yet, but maybe after this podcast I will. But uh, when I started playing this game, I actually was reminded of Cowboy Bebop. Was that just me, or did you have a feeling for that too? Hundred percent. It's the art style. It's uh, the art style, okay. definitely. Um, yeah. But also, um, the music sounded kind of like it too, like the saxophones and everything. Mm. So speaking about learning things, uh, something else, like something about this game I didn't know about until like this week. Uh, so did you guys know this game actually has a sequel? No, I didn't know that. Uh, yes, one year later, 1990, uh, there was an arcade game that was a sequel of this game called Carrier Air Wing uh, that came out that came out in both Japan like North America. Um, I played it. I played a little bit of it in Maine this week to check it out. It's very very similar to UN Squadron. Uh, just a few minor differences. Uh, the plots, the plots different. Some of the planes and characters are different. Uh, but the gameplay and the whole feel and look of the game is very, very similar. I suppose that's the reason why. I, I suppose that's the reason why Carrier Air Wing has never gotten a home release. Um, it's never been it's just like just like never made it's never like made made available in any by any format uh, outside of its original like arcade form. So that's very interesting. I might have to uh, look that up later. Um, so yeah, like I said earlier, this game really reminds me a lot about some other like you know classic Capcom side shooters, which I suppose is, like one reason like why I really like enjoy it, like enjoy it a lot. Um, you can pick from three mercenary pilots to start the game with, which which already been, which already mentioned like do come like in the anime, uh, Shin, Mickey, and Greg, and uh, um, and like in the arcade version, each of these characters has a certain advantage. Uh, if you choose to play with Shin, uh, he gets his Power level raised up the quickest, uh, like with the airplane. If you, if you choose to play with Mickey, uh, he's able to he's able to handle the most special weapons. And you play with Greg, but he's able to recover to recover to recover from battle damage the quickest. So, like, which character like you guys like favorite playing as? I played a lot of Greg, but I back then I used to play as all well the first two characters, and then you know uh, I looked at Greg and I said you know. It's much easier for me to play this game with Greg because I'm not that great at it, so it's it's much easier for me to recover faster, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a Mickey fan just because of the series. Uh, you know, I always go for the main protagonist. I guess uh, I always liked his look. I think you can kind of like you know like uh, definitely make a case for each of the three characters. They could all depend two characters good characters have because it all depends upon your playstyle. Um, you know, like uh, like what difficulty level you're playing at. Uh, there's three. There's three default difficulty levels like available in the game: uh, easy, normal, and hard. Uh, so that's one advantage. Like one advantage this game has over the arcade version. Um, there, there really is not a lot of differences. Uh, speaking about that, there really aren't a lot of differences between the arcade version uh, and the Super NES game. This game was ported very, very well, uh, like over the Super NES. Capcom really had a knack for porting their arcade games over to the system with almost perfect results. Um, you know, we were talked about in the previous episode of Street Fighter 2, 
which is another game that Capcom did a wonderful job like porting over. Um, the, 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 the major differences that the major differences I picked up on uh, that vary between the arcade and the, the, the arcade version and this version. Uh, the biggest one I think is danger mode. Uh, when you're uh, danger mode is when you're like uh, playing a stage and you get hit by something. Um, uh, there's a warning siren that sounds, and you're hit uh, like your life gauge at the bottom of the screen changes to you know, flashes of danger. And for several seconds after that, you're vulnerable. You're in a vulnerable state. If you hit again while you're in danger mode, like it's like destroyed. So you really got to be careful not to get hit again when you're in danger mode. That's that's new to the Super NES port. The arcade game did not have that. The arcade game just simply had the straight the straight hit gauge, and when it was depleted, yeah. so you're dead. Have you noticed uh, when you look at that bar and you get hit? It, uh, I think it says extinct. Or when it's low enough, it says extinct. Have you noticed that? I think that means if you get hit again uh, when you're in that state, then it says I'm at the like you know life over. I thought that was I thought it was kind of a little funny and, and interesting to see that it says extinct at the yeah. bottom. <laughs> Slight translation difference. I think the, um, I think also Greg, you'll probably get to this, but I'm going to bring it up now. <laughs> Just regarding the, the biggest the biggest difference for me. From the arcade port to this port is the, the fact that you could play two players in the arcade, and that's the only really the negative thing about the Super NES game. I feel is that the, there's no co-op. Yeah, um, it would have been great that addition. Definitely, definitely, yeah. I think you know, I, I think this is a trend we saw a lot in early Super NES games. Uh, most yeah. of the arcade games ported over to the system during this, like, during this time period didn't have that option. Yeah. Probably because yeah, Capcom specifically because yeah. Street Fighter, uh, not Street Fighter, sorry, Final Fight. Was that's you know, which was a 1989 game as well in the arcades. I think it's, I, I think it's probably, I, I think it, I think it's probably due to several reasons. Uh, like you know the the smaller cartridges, cartridges available available in the system uh, back in the first few years that it was around, and the programmers not yes. having the not having the skill and techniques uh, to be able to re- to be able to bring that out of the system yet. Uh, another famous yes. example, uh, yeah, another famous example uh, going. Uh, they go back a system like the NES. Uh, Double Dragon was missing a two-player, a two-player version also when it got ported over to the NES, which a lot of people like complain about. Uh, but again, but again, that was an early, that again, that was an early NES title. I think that, I think that game would come out later on because Double Dragon Two, which came out a couple years later, did have two-player mode. It just simply, it was just, yeah. like just, just a case of as systems get, systems get longer in life. Programmers find ways to ring more, to ring more processor power, uh, like out of it, like out of it, like whatnot, and be able to, uh, and the cartridges like increase in power. So, what I wanted to say about this is going back to Double Dragon. Uh, interestingly enough, it was different between the Master System and the NES version. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but um, I think it would have been possible to do some kind of like uh, if you've ever played Super Mario Brothers three two players. You know, uh, you take turns in trying to get past the stages, and it's like kind of like a cooperative mode. I feel like they could have done something like that with UN Squadron yeah. on the SNES, where maybe they don't, maybe the two players don't play at the same time, but they take turns at trying to finish the stages in some kind of cooperative mode. Super Mario World had the same feature. You oh, I just progression level to level, yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, I mean, some of the other differences differences between the arcade and Super NES version. Most of these, most of these, uh, most of these main differences are minor. Um, in the arcade version, 
uh, that, that that arcade version, the graphics that show during your during your uh, pre-stage uh, briefing uh, by the commander is a little bit different, uh, like an arcade versus the Super NES, and the and the victory scene, which shows the plane like you know flying away, and the quote like your pilot is a little different, like an arcade version. Um, it, but in the arcade version, it's very linear. It goes stage one, stage two, stage three. In the Super NES port, and this is a change I really love. For like, for like most of the game, you have some choices what target to attack next. Uh, unless you have, unless you have, unless you have something coming right at your base, which you have to fight it. You have, uh, uh, if there's two or three targets that are in your range of operation, you can choose which one to attack next. Uh, which is a choice I really love because, you know, we'll talk about this later on, but, you know, whenever you get the chance to attack a supply truck convoy, I definitely do so. Just because I want the money, uh, the money to upgrade, to upgrade my plane and equipment just by hitting those uh, convoys. And the game, keeps, and the, game keeps, the game keeps generating, like, new ones. So I really love how they added that small that small strategy aspect uh, like to the Super NES version of the game. Um you also have also 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 in the arcade version, uh, you, you you weren't able to pick your plane um, or most of your special weapons. Uh, you had to fly uh, each power in the arcade version had a certain plane that you had to fly with uh, that you had to fly the whole game with. Uh, the ability to be able to pick from six different planes is new to the Super NES version, and the Super NES version also offers uh, a lot more different a lot more a lot more different special weapons uh, like onto it also. One of my favorite features of the SNES version is that you don't have to put quarters into the machine. <laughs> yes, it's that too. So. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, you know, we're talking about you know the finance system of the game. You know, that's actually um, like it's like the anime series because part of the plot line is them saving money to kind of break this contract. So, you know, I actually enjoyed having a, a buying system here because. Um, you're pretty much rewarded for saving your money. So, mm -hmm. like, generally, find better weapons on the harder levels. You can kind of lead lead your way into that. So, you know, like you said, Greg, you know, require strategy. Um, you need to weigh up whether to buy uh, what you can afford at the start of each level, or you can save money where you can splash later for more expensive armaments. Um, you know, I just thought it worked well. It adds a lot of layers to the game, especially within a shooter genre that can get quite bland. Um, you know, just so by your usual, just picking the weapon you want to use and go forward. You know. Yeah, and it's very unusual. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I can't think of another game right now. I'm probably sure some will come to me as soon as we finish recording, but um, I can't think about. But right now, off the top of my head, I can't think of another game that has both a both a both a score system and a money system in the game, and both go up as you blast targets. Uh, most games either have one or the other. Um, like for example, Gunsmoke, like for the NDS. Uh, but your points are money, basically, that you can use to buy what to buy weapons and upgrades as you go along that game. It's very strange that this game has. It's very strange this game has both. So you have the you you have you have you have the point system to shoot for, like a traditional like a traditional uh, arcade game, get the high score, get your name on the table, that kind of stuff. But you're also earning money at the same time that you can roll into to roll into the planes and special weapons. Yeah, so going on the special weapons, um, did you guys have any favorites? Uh, let me go down to the special weapons section right now. You are allowed to pick from, during the course of the game, uh, Cluster, which encircles your aircraft with explosive charges, Falcon Missile, which is an air-to-ground missile, Phoenix Missile, which is a, uh, a fire-forget missile, um, which, can be, which can be used on both land uh, and air targets, 
uh, super shell, which is a plasma bolt of tremendous, uh, tremendous power, uh, the bullop, which fires five missile shots in different directions, the thunder laser uh, fires three four-mounted lasers uh, in 45-degree angles, um, the bombs, just conventional bombs, bombs that can drop on, on targets, napalm, a more, a more powerful bomb, which will, which will detonate over a wider area, uh, gun pod, which is a Vulcan cannon diagonally mounted up and to the right on your plane uh, that shoots uh, that shoots in that direction, uh, you push the push the fire button down. The sailing missile, which fires the missile straight up, and the all the all crushing uh, mega crush, which is a special a special a special weapon best used against bosses that rains down lasers uh, like on the whole screen. Uh, yeah, I thought the, the gun pod. The gun pod for me was very helpful, like knowing how to use that properly, um, especially on the levels when you have to come back mm -hmm. around and go underneath the boss. And um, uh, yeah, I use that a lot, especially in the later stages. It, it's a very situational weapon, and I think it requires the yeah. most, the most, the most experience and finesse to, to know how to use correctly. Uh, you definitely need to get some practice in trying to use that weapon for best effectiveness. I've never used that, so. <laughs> Yeah, my favorites are the Mega Crush. Obviously, you always want to have one of those uh, top, uh, uh, top the boss. The boss uh, depends upon the stage. Uh, if you're attacking, if you're attacking, a lot, if you're attacking like a lot of ground uh, ground targets, uh, for example, the supply convoy, uh, bombs and napalm are great. Uh, Keeping your stage, keeping your stage, think about air-to-air -air combat. Uh, then the Falcon missiles and Phoenix missiles uh, like are very effective. Yeah, uh, I would say my favorite uh, was the thunder laser, uh, but the thing is I was using cheats, so mm -hmm. I was able to shoot a lot of them at once mm -hmm. and uh, had unlimited supply. <laughs> so, yeah, but th thunder laser is situational. Like obviously, it's like a, it's like a, a power bomb, and like it's you know, of course, it takes everyone out, everyone on the screen. But in terms of like something that's more systematic that you're using more often, you know, um, that's why I was saying. Know, using each weapon specifically, like you said, Greg, it's situational. Really depends on really knowing the level and and, and experimentation. Because um, when I was playing this game, obviously I didn't know what the weapons were were doing. So just by trying them out, kind of finding out what worked in different situations. So that's what's beautiful about this game is that you can have a favorite weapon, but maybe other weapons work uh, elsewhere. So that's it gets you to use a multiple choice of weapons instead of just picking one and going through the whole stage or the whole um, game with one or two that you per per personally like. Right, special weapons are very, very effective, but you just got to be like very careful, with, like careful with them because uh, certain planes can only handle certain planes can only handle certain special weapons. Uh, we'll talk about the planes here like in a few minutes, but um, uh, but then of course, uh, if you're playing, if you're playing as a um, uh, playing as Mickey, he can also handle additional special weapons. And the uh, and the any special weapons you don't use uh, when you finish the stage get turned back into money. Um, but if you get destroyed during the stage, you lose all your special weapons. So you really got to be careful, like about which special weapons to have, because there's no limit to how many special weapons that you can load onto your plane, as long as as long as the plane can equip them and you have the money for it. But if you get destroyed in the stage, there goes all your weapons. So you got to yeah. you really got to be careful. Yeah. So uh, like I said, I started playing this game in 2011, and I'm not very good at this game, but I had plans down for like the first two levels, maybe. And, you know, I played a lot of this game legit for this podcast, but I wanted to get to the end and see what happened so I could talk about it. Right. So I cheated, and then it got way too 
far in my head, and then I just decided to go all out and destroy everything with the thunder laser and just shoot it everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you also have a conventional weapon, like for your like your plane, and there's um, and there's a power-up system uh, that this game has. Depending upon depending upon what plane you're flying, you can level up that level up your main gun to a certain level. And you do this by grabbing uh, power capsules that show up every now and then. Uh, like one car will give you like one point, one another car will give you three points. And when you gain enough points, uh, you level up the gun. And the game tells you what level you're at and how many points you need to do to, to points you need to go up to go up to the next level. And they, uh, and they, uh, if you change planes later on, you still keep your old your your old plane still keeps your whatever power level that you finished that you finished at that, which is nice. So early on in the game, you definitely want to try to get uh, as high as just like as high as but uh, as high as possible, um, like the main gun, uh, like your plane. And you can also do a short-term rapid fire. Uh, if you're playing a regular controller, you can hold the button down for a button down and give you rapid fire for a few seconds before you have to like uh, uh, before the gun stops shooting. I was really good at getting my guns power up when I was playing legit because I'd be playing like only the first two levels I knew how to play and I'd just be hitting everything so uh, I actually remember I basically memorized a whole level because I kept getting stuck at the beginning of the game but I'm not very good patterns are yeah patterns are going to be very important for any for any game like this like nature like nature and type once you right. come to the stage a few times like learn like where the enemies are like where the power-ups are located at uh, the attacks that come at you like it's a lot easier so uh, we, um, so yeah, um, uh, the plot for this game is pretty basic. Uh, like you know, nobody nobody really plays a shooting game like the plot anyway. So um, uh, there's this there's this nation that's been taken over by terrorists by a terrorist group called Project Four, and they hire the UN squadron like to come into their nation to try to drive them out, and um, and start off. Uh, and it, like in between and in between missions, you see a stage of the country. Uh, sorry, a, a map of the country, and you start off and you start off on your on your air base all the way to the left, like all the way to the western edge, the edge of the edge of the country. And as you advance the game and uh, game and take over and retake or retake parts of the country back, you the, the UN squadron moves forward in space of operations, so you're able to have a wider a wider range of operations. You can see on the map there's a uh, there's a there's a lit up circle around you. That's the area that you can attack in. Uh, so like again, that's where the strategy strategy part comes into because you because you want to look at it to see each target moves a certain amount uh, a certain amount by each turn. So you want to like, like you want to try to see what targets what targets like in your range your range of operations. And if you get destroyed uh, in a stage, the enemies the enemies move uh, just like. Just like they would if you successfully, successfully, successfully finish the stage, so your hand may be forced to attack to attack a certain enemy um, earlier in the game than you wanted to if you do badly in a stage, for example. And like for example, uh, the submarine or like the Wolfpack squadron comes up to attack you. The, those can be pretty tough stages, and if you don't, um, you don't have your plane at least somewhat powered up, you're gonna have a very like, tough go at it. That's how I learned how to uh, defeat the the stealth bomber bosses because that was the only level I was forced to play basically. Um, so uh, so 
let's talk about the power ups like real quick. We already mentioned most of them. Uh, there's the there's the orange power up would give the one the, the orange power up gives you the one point to like your gun. The, the, blue, the blue power up gives you like three. Um, there's the there's the classic Capcom Capcom like I believe it's pronounced like I believe I believe pronounced like Yashiki. Um, that all shows up in Capcom games uh, from the like from the 80s 90s. Uh, it refills your fuel tanks. Uh, very 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 rare item. I've only ever seen it like I think twice. Uh, very hard to find. It, it, it's a hidden item. So there's weapons rack, which is also hidden and partially 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 like you fill your current your current special weapons. The star gives you five thousand dollars like automatically. Uh, the mech will destroy all enemies on screen. Uh, very handy. Uh, the unicorn will give your will give your plane a shield a shield for about for about fifteen seconds. And the fuel tanks with the fuel tanks with the fuel tanks will partly like refill your, your fuel tanks. And again, uh, this is a trope of Capcom shooters like this time period. You want to shoot everywhere to find these guys because most of these uh, because most of these items are hidden. So just shoot randomly like all randomly like all the way around the stage, and you'll hear sound and you also see a small flash uh, like you like you find it. So and the locations always stay the same in each stage. So once you once you know what they are, you can always like grab them, so grab them like right away. Uh, so uh, let's talk about the six planes. To, six planes that you pick from, like real quick here, uh, because they all have their like pros and cons. And this is, Tim, I said earlier, this is like a nice upgrade, like in the original like arcade version, uh, because if, because the arcade version you only had the Crusader, uh, the Tiger Shark, uh, the Tiger Shark flying Thunderbolt, um, and five out of five out of five out of six five out of six of these planes are based off of real planes. Uh, three of these actually existed. Two of these only existed still in the prototypes at the prototype stage. Uh, and all five of these, like all five of these real planes, were uh, uh, like were designed, designed, developed by the United States. Uh, but they were also, but they also used, but they also used like by the countries. Um, you start off with the FAE Crusader, which is actually, which is actually based upon the Vault FA Crusader. Which was one of the early, the early principal uh, U.S. jet fighters in service from 1955 to 1976. Um, you can upgrade, you can upgrade the main gun of this one up to level five. Uh, it's a basic, uh, like the basic plane. It's pretty good once it's been leveled up. Uh, the Crusader is pretty effective at attacking both air and ground targets, targets effectively. Uh, I usually stay at the Crusader for a long time. At least probably, at least probably to about halfway through the game, until I'm able to build up, build up a knife, like a nice, like a nice bank, a bank account, like to move on to something else. Um, some games, some games really start you off with like some really crappy uh, tanks or soldiers or planes, or whatever to start off with. Um, but the Crusader, so the Crusader is like it's pretty good, like in the right hands. I found this really interesting to learn that these planes were actually. Real planes, and yeah. some of them were actually prototypes. Yes. Because I actually work in the aerospace industry. Really? Huh. Yeah. So, but uh, uh, next up, you have the F twenty Tiger Shark, which is actually based off the Northrop F twenty Tiger Shark prototype, like the mid eighties. Uh, that project, that project never got approved. Um, this also, this also can, this also can be upgraded uh, like level five, uh, faster than the Crusader is. Um, it's it's a um, pretty much your 
uh, Crusader Mark II, I guess I could think about it. Um, I usually I usually use this plane for use this plane for a good part of the game. Uh, like I like to I found the like I found the fighting for the best game like the plane. Um, the special weapons again favor attacking both the ground and air targets like pretty equally. Uh, so it's a nice faster plane, like pretty good plane like all around. Uh, very good for beginners, like beginners people like not like, like not used to the game yet to use. Um, and not very expensive either. You probably can afford like afford buying and fitting it out after like a couple missions. Uh, next, you have the F-14D Com uh, Tomcat, which is obviously which is obviously the grooming F-14 Tomcat, uh, our principal air fighter from 1974, like 2006. Uh, very fast plane. Uh, I believe it's the fastest, the fastest of the game. The, 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 they are the six planes. Uh, again, again, you can upgrade the gun to level five. Um, this is this is actually kind of a hard plane to use because of its speed and the Tomcat really favors air-to-air -air combat. Uh, I can see I can see using using this plane to a good effect against some of the air that's against some of the, against like some of the air stages, um, but the speed I think kind of gets you into trouble. It's almost kind of like you're playing the like Gradius game and you actually boost up your boost up the speed of your ship uh, too many times uh, at, at a certain speed level. Like it's very hard to control. Uh, and, and like I said, and like I said, like I said, it, it, it's really slanted slanted heavily for like you know, like you know, air to air combat. Do you mind if I correct you on something? It's sure. just I'm sorry, it just bothers me. Um, <laughs> it's actually pronounced Grumman. Grumman, okay, all right. Yes. Uh, okay, I, I actually I actually can't even do that. <laughs> yeah, I you know I I didn't know any of this stuff before I started working where I do. So uh, the counterpart to the the counterpart to the F-14 Tomcat, as far as being like very effective against ground targets, uh, like is the A-10A Thunderbolt. Uh, which is actually the which is actually the Fairchild Republic A10 Thunderbolt 2, uh, more popular known as the Warthog, uh, which has been in service since the plane service the plane service since 1977. Um, slow, ugly, tough. Uh, this was the uh, uh, this plane was murder against like uh, against tanks in between fight the two ground um, uh, like in the ground campaigns fight both Gulf Wars um, and does the same purpose here in the game. It's excellent to attack the ground. It's, but, but excellent, but it's excellent. It's excellent attacking the. It's excellent attacking, like attacking ground targets. Um, it's very slow and very clumsy to use, though. Uh, definitely only recommended for experienced players only. What's really interesting about the plane in real life is uh, its computer actually uses uh, cartridges because it's based in. Uh, it was made in '77, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's really interesting to see. It's actually. It's actually kind of an advanced system, but it runs off of cartridges. I just find it funny. <laughs> well, it's like you know the whole Apollo space program. You know those computers operated like operated uh, the operating processors that are like they're like one hundredth the size of the processor process that powers your cell phone these days. Oh so, yeah, I mean but... <laughs> cell phones. Yeah, our cell phones are more powerful than those computers, which is sad but interesting. Oh, the Thunderbolt actually has two guns. Uh, 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 both guns, both guns, both guns that can be upgraded. Can be upgraded to level three. Um, then you have the YF-23 Stealth Ray, uh, which is actually based off the Northrop YF-23 Stealth Fighter, which is a prototype from 1989 to 1990. Um, I, 
which is the time period to, to when this game's coming out. I suppose Capcom can't be blamed for here. They can't be blamed for figuring for figuring that there'd be contract would it uh, to make this plane, but it never happened. So uh, uh, very fast plane, uh, almost as fast as a Tomcat. Uh, its speeds comparable comparable to the comparable like a tiger shark. Um, it's a um, uh, like the stealth aircraft. So 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 like the enemy uses home though the enemy cannot use home missiles uh, against you against your flying this. If you, like you're flying this plane. Um, you can also use the vertical missile launchers, uh, like on this thing, to fight a great effect. And the main gun, like the main gun, can be powered up to level six. Um, pretty good plane. Um, I definitely, uh, I know some people actually beat the game like this plane because of how, because of how good it is. Um, definitely, definitely another one of those more intermediate to expert, uh, expert level uh, planes to use. And then you have the ultimate plane, the only, the, the only, the only purely fictional game uh, uh, plane playing the game, uh, the F two hundred Efrit, which is, which according to the manual was developed by the Soviet Union. Um, of course, Capcom can't be blamed for not knowing the Soviet Union was going to collapse like two years after the arcade game came out. So um, <laughs> uh, you certainly can't hold that against them. The plane looks like a MiG twenty one, as far as it's, as far as it's like in graphic design looks. Uh, uh, fast plane, uh, almost as fast as Tomcat again. You're able to uh, uh, you're able to upgrade the main gun. The main gun this plane, but go up to seven. Um, it's yeah, they can handle all, and and also they, they also have the ability to handle every every special weapon like in the game. So expensive, you probably can't afford to you probably can't afford to get it until toward the last uh, couple missions of the game. But once you have it, it's very, very powerful, and you need this plane, I think, to finish those last two missions because those two last because last two missions of the game are a major, major pain in the you know what. Not uh, unless you're using cheats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, do you guys have any like favorites, like favorite planes, or any kind of uh, uh, observations, or observations, or tips or tricks as far as like, like as far as like using them? I'm all about speed. Mm. I'm a big Top Gun fan, so I'm gonna quote my favorite movie. <laughs> when I feel, I feel the need, the need for speed. That's why the Tomcat is my favorite plane. Um, I just got used to it, to be honest with you. Um, and you know, Mickey as a character um, as well. I just I found out with his personality type and his plane just was a really a good combination. Um, yeah, so I just got used to that plane. To be honest, I didn't really get to try out all of them, so um, it's just something I got comfortable with. Hmm. Uh, how about you, George? What's your like usual, the, the usually, uh, what's, your, what's your usual like you know mid game plane? Well, if I'm playing legit, it's the first one because I could probably only afford that one. Well, yeah, that's why I said like <laughs> mid game plane. I, I mean, after you upgrade like the Crusader. After. Well. Uh, you know, I usually I usually played with the the last one. What was that? The E three. The E three, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that was good because you're able to use all all the weapons with that one, right? All the yes. special weapons. Yep. Yes. So it was nice to actually uh, test out all the special weapons and see what worked for what level. Right. Yep. Uh, speaking about the E three, it's definitely very, like like you know, definitely like very. Definitely very very expensive. Uh, um, I, I, I touched upon this. 
But I touched upon this tip like a little bit uh, earlier, and this is definitely a tip I definitely would give to anybody who's not yet played this game. Um, any, but any time, by any time the game that you get the chance to attack, like attack a supply truck, do so. Uh, these are represented on the map, like by the green tanks, and they're they're, they're and it looks like that they're unlimited. Uh, uh, they will eventually always come up, come up, move across the map, and eventually come into attack range. Um, as long as you're as long as you're patient patient enough and or you're sucking badly enough, which I suppose is another good benefit to having them. Um, if you're able, uh, the supply truck missions work a little bit differently than the other missions of the game because because like you're attacking because you're attacking the convoy like in a very like narrow like narrow ravine, and you only have a certain amount of time uh, to be able to do as much damage as much damage to the convoy as possible. So this is like, so like the mission starts with your plane zooming down onto it, and you can you have to carefully position the plane so as not to hit uh, the stone walls when you're diving down. Like you're pointing back up, you're pointing back up again. So you definitely want to go in there, hit it, like hit it as hard or fast as you can, pull up in time, so like you don't like crash against the wall, like and then you're playing automatically, like zoom back around and go back and, and go back, like or pass. If you're able to destroy the whole convoy, that gets you twenty thousand um, dollars. And this is not, and this is not a hard mission to do once you get the hang of it. Uh, you just have to have like um, a little bit of skill, like knowing, like like knowing, like knowing where the targets are and. When to pull out and have some bombs or some other sort like a napalm like on hand. Uh, pretty easy mission to get to, to, to get the hang of. Um, you definitely want to do this like as often as possible because because money is basically your lifeblood like in this game. You never have um, you're always short in it the whole game. You always you always like you always fighting more of it. So the basic missions themselves are your typical normal, like normal side-scrolling, uh, like side-scrolling uh, missions. Uh, your first one is default. Uh, you're attacking like a forward, like a forward, like a forward supply base, uh, like the enemy. Uh, and then after that mission, uh, as long as you, as long as you destroy that target soon enough, you'll get a choice as to what target to attack. And you, you know there are certain enemies that will advance towards you and will advance towards you, and you have to attack them, uh, like they get like they get like in firing range. But you, uh, 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 but uh, but most stages you have the option of being able to decide which one to attack next. And there's a pretty good variety of variety of missions in the game. Uh, there's some ground-based targets like there's uh, desert like desert attack uh, attack bases going through a mountain. Uh, there's some, uh, there's some there's some air-to-air -air battles. So we have to defeat like a whole like a whole squadron uh, squadron like maybe fighters uh, uh, fighters like in the clouds. Uh, there's some sea-based missions. Uh, um, you know, really nice new variety of missions uh, missions uh, missions in, in this game. If I count it correctly, there were about like ten stages uh, like all together like in this game. Uh, not counting uh, not counting the supply truck missions. So pretty good challenge, yeah. pretty good length. Variety is a really big strength in this game, um, and especially like the, the the graphical power, even for an early Super NES title, um, even when it's ported, it's just really striking. Um, I think that the Grand Canyon stage is one of the standouts for me, um, as well as there's this level that's you know where you fight, I don't know which level it actually is, I can't remember, but um, when you're fighting the submarine, it's got a really cool landscape with clouds and then. Um, the ocean. I, yeah, I really enjoyed myself, but you, you said it on point, Greg. The the variety of stages is excellent, especially for something that could be so um, niche, being a, being kind of based in like 
are standardized, not a, not a modern world, but they do, they do a really good job um, changing it up a little bit. Yeah, there's not a lot of like, you know, different of uh, different enemy design. I mean, like, you know, you just, like see the same enemies pretty much over and over again in the game. Uh, but their attack patterns vary a little bit depending upon like where in the game you are. And obviously their offensive power, you know, offensive power, like, that increases also. Uh, but there's so many enemies coming at you, it's really, you know, it's really don't have time to think about that. Uh, you're just busy trying to, uh, you're busy like, you know, blasting away and trying to zoom and dodge and stay alive and that kind of stuff. You know, I didn't really mind replaying these missions, uh, even though I kept losing on them, because the music is so great, like, I just always want to listen to it. Yeah, the stage one music is very, very good. Uh, that's probably the most popular, the, the popular, like, in the game, it seems like. Uh, there's not there's not a lot of soundtracks to the game. They do repeat several soundtracks several times, like, throughout the game. Uh, I think I, I think I think it's probably only about maybe like five or like five or six actual 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 pieces of music, um, but for what there is, it's quite good. Uh, it makes very good. I was just gonna say I was really hoping for like a top down rip off Danger Zone song in one of the levels, but it just yeah, right, for me. <laughs> like at the like at the end was, of the game with the little cutscene. <laughs> yeah, like I was just waiting for something like there's something as a rip off, but um, it never happened. But just on the music, just quickly, Greg, as well, what you were saying. Um, the score is done by uh, Manami Matsume. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she did the original Mega Man um, oh, score, okay. and she also did Final Fight. Uh, she helped with that too, so she's pretty prominent within Capcom. Um, and yeah, it, it's a shame we didn't have as much of a score, but the, some of the standouts I feel like are really quite strong, uh, even if it only has six or seven tracks. Um, but they, they did quite well in creating more of a progressive feel going through these fast-paced levels, um, in my opinion, anyway. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. like uh, George mentioned the graphics a little bit earlier. Uh, the graphics of this game are very, like, very impressive. Like I said, you know, this is an early Super NES game, so I think games came out later on in the console's life that had better graphics, but for being an early launch title, these graphics are definitely knockout. Uh, like, it's definitely... I mean, I remember as a kid playing this game the first time. Uh, the usual stage two uh, for me, the Wolf Pack mission, by you're flying, by you're flying against the uh, the enemy air squadron. Uh, you're up in the clouds, and you like, have that nice cloud effect of the wall of clouds like underneath you, and lightning flash in the background like every now and then. Really, really nice touches. Uh, every like, single pixel of this game is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, again, the graphics for this game look just as good, I think, like the original, like the original, like an you know, arcade version. Uh, very, very well ported over. Uh, your planes look like actual planes. You know, they look like they're planes that they're actually uh, based off of. Um, you know, the sprite detail on all the graphics, uh, like the enemies and whatnot, they are very, very detailed. Um, you know, like I say, you know, I think. Uh, the graphics, the graphics are very, very detailed. The color, the color palette may be a little bit lacking compared to later Super NES games, but the detail that they use for the small touches and everything, like for the stages and the background graphics, the like enemies, like very, very impressive. I agree with everything you guys said. Exactly. Another comment. I just, it's an early Super NES title, and for that reason alone, you can't be too critical on it. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I never like I'm. When I play a game today, even even the latest titles that come out on the new gen consoles to playing a Super Nintendo, I'm always critical of the graphics. I really am. It's something that I, you know, I feel like the Super Nintendo overall has such a, a distinct um, graphical style and aesthetic. Mm. This game didn't 
appealed to me as something that I didn't like. I just felt it just worked within its um, within its game, and um, I enjoyed it definitely. So for me, it is a standout. When I put it in the plus column, I put the graphics there for sure. What's interesting is uh, I'm more critical of older games compared to newer games because, you know, whenever a newer game comes out, I feel like it's just going to be broken in some way. So it's like I don't really expect too much out of it. But when it's a game like this, even though it was an early on title, being very critical with this game, you know, it's still great. And I, just, I, I agree totally. I, agree. Yeah. I think also because they've got the anime style to kind of back it up, um, you know, and, and they... It does, it does a really good job portraying that from the series. Yeah, like I said, when I first jumped into the game, it reminded me exactly of Cowboy Bebop, and that's one of my favorite anime series. So, but like the the small the small thing about putting your um, pilot's face on the screen, you know, it personalizes a little bit, like you knowing that that's your character, and um, while you uh, go within the level, so that's a cool touch as well. Yes, yeah, also, and it gets damaged. Oh, your plane gets mm. damaged, like he also shakes. Uh, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gains, he gains yeah. some kind of facial right. expression. Uh. Yeah, very nice small touches, like, in this game, like, all around. Um, one of my things I really love the small touches in, like, in this game, which is, like, you know, like, you know, very nice uh, segue here. Uh, it's, like, one of my favorite things, like, in the game, uh, the bosses. There's a lot of nice... Mm. Uh, uh, all the bosses in this game are very large, very imposing-looking. Uh, they're all very yes. wonderfully detailed, all wonderfully detailed, like all very graphically impressive, and and yeah, uh, and yeah, the and this game has some tough bosses. I mean, these are, I mean, like if you don't come into this fight with at least like most of your health gauge and and most of like most of like most of your special weapons, you're, you're not gonna have a snowball's chance, by chance in heck, uh, being able to beat the boss just by to advance. Some very very yeah. tough uh, boss battles like in this game, and. And you know, I'm a sucker for games that do something like this, where like you know, uh, where you're a small, like you're piloting like a small plane or a small soldier or something, and you're going up against a much larger enemy. And you know, as you damage the boss, uh, you damage it in parts, uh, like you know, small pieces of it like break away, uh, small parts yeah, of it. Yeah, very cool. Like small, uh, uh, like small parts of it just like get destroyed. For example, for like, example, uh, the stealth bomber that you face like in stage two. Um, uh, like in the cloud stage I was talking about earlier, uh, as you, like you, it's like you do damage to it, uh, fire breaks out like one of the wings, and as you, if you, can you keep shooting at it, fire breaks out like another wing. I'm a sucker for things like that. You know, for example, 1943, uh, which is another, which is another favorite, like my favorite, uh, favorite uh, shoot, um, uh, arcade shooter from Capcom, uh, going up against those big four-engine Japanese bombers, uh, and the game did the same things. Uh, like the, like you're shooting in, like one engine breaks out in flame, and another engine, another engine breaks out in flame. Um, like, or to use a more, like a more modern, uh, modern game example, uh, if you guys have played like Panzer, like Panzer Dragoon Orta, like the Xbox, uh, the very first fight in, in the start of the game against that ship, you're dragging against that large battleship, to your damage like piece by piece. Like, you know, I love things like that. Yeah, like stage three, you know. The um the forest, you know, the fortress in the forest where you decommission that that base, you know, you got to take out the core first. So I think that was yeah really interesting. It wasn't just like this large uh, large plane as such. As they had a lot of variety with the bosses in my opinion. I thought you know the carrier and and the base like in the forest, like I said, yeah, it was really enjoyable. Like hard as hell. Like I I honestly the stealth bomber to be honest, like I nearly rage quit about five times. 
uh, with Airbus. But, uh, but what that did was educate me how to play the game because that's when it forced you to kind of change your strategy. And that was kind of the theme across the whole game. So in the end, someone for me with no patience, yeah, it was really educational on that level. My, my, my first reaction to fighting the stealth bomber was like, oh, he drops these little things and all these things come out. You could just weave around them. No big deal. <laughs> what? He's got a turret on the back of his engine? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But uh, something interesting, I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but uh, the special power which uh, shoots the, the circles around your uh, plane... I forget what it's called. Uh, cluster. Uh, oh, actually, yes, the it's cluster. It's a round laser, I think. Oh, it's a cluster. Okay. Yeah. I call it the round laser. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, if you shoot, <laughs> if you when the when the stealth bomber is just coming out and you shoot your cluster, like you just keep pressing the button to sh shoot up all three of your clusters, uh, a little power up comes up and you're able to uh, refill your health there. Mm. Yeah, so it's, I, it's I use that a lot. Mm. Yeah. Me too. And as if like one stealth bomber to finish that stage was bad enough. Uh, later on in the game, in your second air-to-air -air mission, you have to flip, flip, flip up against three of them. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. That, that, they were purple. Yeah. That makes them cooler. <laughs> but the way they introduce, I feel, I feel like they, the level does it really well. Mm. Yeah, kind of hops you up for that last moment. Um, yeah. very difficult. It's really interesting, though, because you fight the stealth bomber, and then there's a level where you fight the three stealth bombers. It's just like... You know, I just fought one guy and I had trouble fighting. <laughs> now I have to fight three? Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 My favorite boss fights, like, with the, like, with the land-based aircraft carrier, that's, like, a very, very nasty-looking uh, platform. And it's armed for bear, and you really have to just pound away at it and kind of, de like, kind of try to destroy the weapon systems, fight and have, like, a chance, like, a chance, a chance being able to take it out. Uh... The battleship also is very is, is very difficult. It's very difficult for like the same reason, and yeah. and the submarine. I have so many problems. I have so many problems like that like that stupid sub because um, <laughs> because, yeah. that's, because that's because that because that's because that um, because that missile attack it does when it, it does it does it dives back out of the. Dies back out of the water and uh, the water and shoots that shoots that huge missile up in the sky. It's very hard to avoid that. Yeah, and then it turns into tiny little missiles. Yeah, and then it sometimes lags the game. So, yeah, well, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, you know, that's the one. That's the one flaw like about the game, which is kind of, which unfortunately is common with a lot of early Super NES games. There is some slowdown like this game. Uh, like every now and then, every now and then, when like there's too many things on screen, uh, there definitely will be some slowdown, which I really don't mind all that much because usually, because usually the slowdown happens, happens, it happens in areas where I appreciate the chance to be able to try to, uh, to try to weave around, so weave around some shots and some enemies. So yeah, uh, I was just gonna say, I mean, it comes in at the best time because it's when you can really weave around everything and yeah. get a chance. So. You know, it's not it's not so bad. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. So besides the slowdown, besides the slowdown, besides the besides the lack of a two player option, uh, there's really not too many too many flaws with this game. I'd say I think like you know, besides those two, I think that besides those two, I think I think the only uh, besides those two, I, I think the only, I think the only, I think the only, the only other flaw that I might say is that uh, this game this game is. This game, uh, how can I phrase this? It starts off. It starts off more difficult than it probably should, 
because I, because I can see somebody getting frustrated and trying to beat that first stage because even that boss fighting stage one is pretty challenging. Um, and I can see somebody getting frustrated trying to get that try try and knock out that first that first boss. And if you don't knock it out fast enough, um, you'll get a force a force attack by the wolf pack by by the submarine, and those and those are very hard 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 to just to do on your basic plane. I think once you get the, I think once you get past stage one and like an upgrade your plane and your weapons and get used to the game, the difficulty stays pretty level for most of the game. But I, but but I kind of think this game can start off maybe maybe a little bit more difficult, like more difficult than it should be. Um, I completely agree on that. I just want to bring up a counterpoint, if that's okay, because you're right. But at the same time, you said it before, Greg. You know these games require pattern. Um, pattern learning like memory um, and just for me like I said I have no patience like I just really get frustrated quite easily I found like getting through the first level and going with the mentality look I've got to learn patterns not just go through and just you know dummy shoot everyone I really need to put patterns in my mind like learn the stage well and I think once you go with that mentality the game's a lot more enjoyable and a lot easier when I say easier I mean easier to understand and get through it became quite a breeze for me the first level once I knew how to play this game. It's not something you can just go and move your plane everywhere and just shoot where you see a plane. You've got to position yourself before and anticipate where those planes are going to come, and that only comes with memory. So if you go in with that mindset, you will grasp this game a lot easier. And then, like I said, when you move to level two, where you've got the option to upgrade your plane, your, your, your weapons, and understand how to use those weapons, it, yeah, that's where the easiness comes in, and I think that's balanced for me. I think they, they from the get-go, they start off with a really high standard, but the understanding aspect, which you can go in there and understand how this works, you're going to enjoy it a lot more. And that, that's just what I wanted to counter you guys with because, yes, it's very difficult. But like a lot of 16-bit games, you know, difficulty level is always high. It's just really more about your approach and understanding how to play the game itself. Yeah, that's, kind of, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how uh, you got a lot more out of the game was because of its difficulty because games weren't able to be as big back then. But it forces you to learn. Like it's not, not, it's not about holding your hand. It's about you know what you're not going to get past this unless you make an effort. Understand how this game works, how this plays, how it functions. And I love those mechanics because it's so easy to play something like a platformer where you, you know, you go step to step and you just know where the enemies are and that. But with this one, it goes a lot further. It's not just um, shooting your way through the mission. It's about positioning. It's about knowing what weapons to use um, and also learning the patterns. Now I really enjoy that aspect of it anyway. Right. Well. You also need to remember it's a port of an arcade game, something that was supposed to eat up your quarters or any kind of yeah. currency you had. So, yeah. Yeah. But Greg, would you argue? Uh, would you guys argue? Obviously, there's difficulty settings um, as well. You know, would you suggest playing on easy mode first, Greg? Um, oh, yes, definitely. Because easy. this game is challenging. It's challenging, like even like easy mode. Uh, I'm not quite sure. All, I'm not quite sure all differences between three differences between three between three levels. I suspect the differences are the usual, like the usual enemies do. Enemies do more damage at like the higher levels. Uh, like you know, they give more money. Uh, like the early, the, the, the easier ones. I suspect that's the. I, that I suspect the difference. That's the difference between the three of them. But uh, yeah, you know, like I mentioned. Yeah, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of like action space slash slash airplane shooters shooters of this type, and this is and this is and this is probably the most difficult one 
that I played like neat and 16-bit uh, generations because uh, they are um, did you you play Gradius right did you play Gradius the yes. Konami, um, yep. I that was so hard for me like uh, that's, I mean, that's see, the you hardest know, game I've played on, on yeah. Super NES yeah and I died so many times in that game and I just feel like a lot of cheap deaths but this one I didn't feel as cheap like I felt like again it was quite balanced and, and the gameplay was very spot on achievable um, I, I trust your judgment because you've played a lot more of these games for me, but um, for someone who hasn't played a lot, I felt this a lot more comfortable than something like Radius, even R-Type, to be honest with you. But that's the thing, because I, so because you know, I kind of think of myself as like a pretty like you know good gamer, um, you know, like all yeah. around, especially yeah. when it comes to these things. And you know, like I played and enjoyed like all five Gradius games, uh, like as well as the like as well as the like as well as the spin-off games like Life Force and Salamander. I haven't been able to beat all these games. Yeah. I. Yeah. I could not. I could not beat this game as a kid. I was able to get to the last stage, that last final, the, the, the last end boss of the game. I never could beat that guy. I tried and tried and tried. I never could. Have... So that final fight yeah. is so darn difficult. I finally, yeah. finally, like about ten years ago, with the help of the like, help of an emulator and save states, I finally, able to, yeah. but I finally, but I able to beat the game. I, I never could do it back then. That last fight is very, 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 very difficult. I think there's more layers to this shooter. Like, I, I compare it to Gradius only because of my experience is very lacking. Like, I feel like the early game of Gradius is quite easy. Um, but when you hit the later levels, I just feel like it's such a big um, jump in difficulty. Where this game for me, like you said, from the get-go, it's quite difficult. But it's an educational experience, so it's quite paced. Um, for me, it's paced really, like really well. When you're going stage to stage, you kind of get better as you as you go through. Um, I didn't finish this game. Just to tell you guys, I never finished it. I feel like it's quite hard, but I just feel like I need to get better at it. And I'm very intrigued to play this more and 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 understand it a bit better. But from my experiences, yeah, I just I like a game that tells you from the get go that it's going to be hard, and to have a balance going all the way forward instead of having this big difficulty strike, uh, difficulty spike. Um, where a lot of games have. Again, this is my opinion, and uh, I trust what you're saying, Greg, because like you said, you've played so many of these. Um, but maybe because this game has so many layers that you find that that's probably the hardest, uh, one of the hardest shooters you've played just because of that reason. There's a lot of mechanics with this game that you've got to understand. Um, it could be that anyway. What's great about this game is whenever I fail at it, I feel like it's my own fault and not the game's fault. It's not, mm, oh, yeah. my button yes. press didn't go through yes. or... You know, yes. it was the gameplay. It's so. It's. I can't explain. Like for me, even the, the collision detection in this game is better than anything I play with these. I get frustrated sometimes because I feel like no, that bullet didn't hit me. I exploded. With this game, I didn't feel that way. I feel like it was very um, uh, well done. I don't know if you guys can can, can uh, intrigue me a little bit more about this, but I just feel like yeah, the, the collision detection is spot on in this game for sure, and the and the button yeah. the buttons feel very responsive, very responsive um, as well. So credit to um, Capcom for really putting together something that's solid mechanically, not just visually. I was never frustrated at the game. I was always frustrated at myself for screwing <laughs> up. There's definitely like a lot of like 
a small, a small unique things to recommend this game uh, that kind of elevates it from the uh, like the class, like the class, like the class, like above and beyond its peers. Uh, like you know, for example, the ability to be able to pick from three different piles and six different kinds of planes. Uh, the so you got the whole money system, like how you earn money as you go through the game, so you buy like better planes, play uh, better weapons. Uh, the strategy aspect, like we have, like we have, like we have, like we have some limited choice of deciding what target to attack next. Uh, all those things combined with the very detailed graphics, the graphics, and the good soundtrack, uh, really make for a very uh, unique, unique and difficult um, uh, shooter game. That despite the, um, you know, that despite its high difficulty level, I definitely recommend, like for anybody. Like anybody like who's a fan like of a shooter genre, uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody 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 taking this as like you know baby's first like shooter. Um, but if you like shooters, uh, this is and you do not check out this game for whatever reason because like I said earlier, I don't, I'm not sure how, I'm not really sure how well known this game is now. But um, but if you ever play this game or um, or looking for like a very different a different like unique shooter, this is definitely one like worth checking out. I think it holds up very well in today's like gaming environment and still finds like a lot of fun to play. If you want to play a good game and you also want to try to see how far your SNES controller can go before it just gets destroyed, <laughs> you should play this game. <laughs> yeah, I'll conclude just. You know, like I said, the difficulty is, is quite high, you know, but it's balanced. Um, I feel like the, the gameplay is achievable. I just feel like you can get through this if you really dedicate yourself to getting better. Um, it's perfectly paced. Yeah, like I said before as well, the collision detection is spot on, you know, features incredible graphics. The soundtrack is awesome. Um, you know, the challenge factor is a big thing for me. And if you like games that you can have a bit more depth, especially for a shooter like this, definitely something that I would uh, recommend. It's easily one of the best shooters on the console, for me anyway. No, I completely agree with that. Yes, definitely. And if you've liked the theme, check out the anime series, because Area 8 is very underrated, um, in my opinion. It's a very cool story. I need to check that out. So is that available, like, in a like, you know, sub-to-dub format? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been... Um, it's been translated. There's a whole translate uh, converted in English. Um, it's on. It's on. You. It's available on DVD, or you can check it out on YouTube. I think some episodes are on there as well. Um, but I definitely recommend it. Once again, uh, it's really good. Gives you good context as well when you play this game. Hmm. So there is one Easter egg, like a one, like a one cheat code, like available. Like available. What, what color is it? What color is the Easter egg? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's probably blue because I don't. I, Blue, because I don't know what this actually means. Maybe you guys know what this actually stands for. But uh, the Easter egg to this game is that if you're able to beat the game on hard without using, like, without using a single, without using a single continue, and if you're able to do that, my hats off to you definitely. Um, if, you, if you're able to achieve that feat uh, during the during the ending scene, you'll see a parade of something called uh, Moby Chans uh, on the screen, which will have a message. Um, I, I would respond a special, a special message for you, like on the thanks for playing screen. So I have no idea what a Moby Chan is. Uh, must be some Japanese thing, but um, well, it probably is. But I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So um, and the um, and it also uh, like, um, you can also code available in this game. Uh, 
if you if you're able to master the game it's like a hard difficulty level and you want to challenge there's an even harder <laughs> gamer uh, gamer difficulty level oh, available yeah. to you oh, so no. gamer <laughs> to access this on the options menu uh, uh, leave your controller like on the game level option and then like then um, like and then in controller two hold down X and A and then and then uh, and then in controller one push right on the control pad twice and the, um, the, the game level will change from will change from normal to gamer and you start the hmm. game then and you're in game gamer difficulty yeah was it so does it just instantly time. kill you no I played it <laughs> I played it a little bit yesterday uh, it just simply it just simply harder times two as far as I can tell Ooh. so yeah I played on normal Damn so. you, <laughs> Damn you, Capcom. There should have been a Top Gun code. There should have been a Top Gun code. There should have been a Top Gun difficulty. And what you did is you played as one of the characters from Top Gun. Well, there have been several Top Gun games. Yeah, but this is the best Top Gun game here. Yeah, this is Top Gun without Top Right. So, George, you mentioned having bought this game twice, like twice earlier. Lucky for you... This game is not that expensive as far as like as far as like, like as far as some other Super NES games go. Uh, I was surprised I was surprised was surprised when I went looking on eBay. Uh, this game this game's not quite as expensive as like the was gonna be. Oh, uh, yeah, it's pretty cheap. Uh, there are twenty one there are twenty one copies currently listed and seventy five recently sold. You can pick up a cart only for anywhere from ten like ten dollars to thirty six to thirty six fifty. So that includes shipping. So, thirty six. Yeah, I paid about Something like ten, maybe for mine. Something like that, maybe fifteen. Yep, if you want to get CIB, that would range from thirty, like, like, range from thirty, to, from, from thirty to seventy-eight dollars. That's so, not bad. No, no, Super NES games right now, that's pretty affordable. Uh, yeah, that's know. the problem. Is the prices are rising right now? It's just uh, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible right now. Like we're in a bubble, like right now, as we talked about before. Starting the past podcast because of the high demand of the system of the games like right now. So, but um, Master System games are cheap. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> nobody wants them. <laughs> hey, I want them. Um, but yeah, you know, a ten bucks for the cart definitely, definitely worth a while picking up. Like see this, in the, like see this, like see this like in the wild for like ten, fifteen. Um, heck, twenty bucks I'd say even like like worth like picking up for. Uh, because you're reading the manual like this game. Right. Unless your collector wants CIB, but he, but but if you want CIB again, again you know that's not like too bad as far as the price scale goes. So did you did you see anything for sealed? No sealed copies. Ooh. So I'm sure some I'm sure some are probably still in the past, but uh, there that's was, how good this game is. They just everyone wants to open up to see them play it. Well, well, there was no there was no re-release of this game. Uh, most of uh, most of most sealed copies for Super NES games. Uh, were games were games that got re-released later later as part of the Million Dollar series. Oh, uh, okay. I'm, so, I, I'm sorry, not Million Dollar, like more Million Seller. Million Seller, yes. yes. Um, so, um, a, um, actually, 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 like, actually, I did see something uh, for a recent episode. Like, you remember me talking talking about the uh, uh, like, like, remember, like, you remember covering uh, covering F Zero in an episode in an episode in an episode like months ago. There was actually there was actually there was actually an open shipping case uh, like that game uh, that sold on eBay with like you know like ten copies inside of it. Oh wow! Like you know the boxes, like the boxes that Nintendo like shipped to the retailers like would open up, like right. 
you know, that's rare. Like, you don't see that too often for any console. Uh, and that's and that's a good game too. Yes. Yeah. So. So I again, but again, that's probably again that's probably that was probably probably the reprint. But you know, hey, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty like cool like a cool gimmick like for like a um uh like for Clarker to get. So I always love like finding out stuff like that, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, finding finding stuff that you know relates to games, but doesn't have to necessarily be a game or part of the game hardware. Like recently, I've actually picked up a VHS tape, and what it is, it's a like a promotional video for the, the Dreamcast in uh, quarter one. Where they're right, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. yeah, it's a really interesting piece of history. So, uh, yeah, um, yep, so uh, one last comment like, about the game, before I kind of wrap things up like on my end. Um, uh, we kind of touched upon this like a little bit, but the game controls are very, very good for this game. I think uh, the controls are pretty basic. You got one button to shoot, like one button to um, to one button to use your special weapon, like one button to change your to change your special weapons. And you know, I played this both on my Super Nintendo controller, um, uh, the game I was on a joystick, because of course the original the original arcade game used joystick. And so, this, and, 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 like, and often the case, uh, often often when you're converting. When you're porting games to consoles that came out originally originally arcade and joystick mode, using them use them using them with a pad can be somewhat difficult sometimes. Uh, but this, this game, game felt great with it. Exactly, though. it was very very well with using the pad. Uh, very than, very responsive in everything. Right, you know you know better than probably has a right to handle as far as like, the pad goes. So I was like very uh, like you're very like you know like presently. You know, pleasantly surprised like that. There really was no difference like be playing the game with like the joystick, like a visit visit the controller. So um, one thing you didn't say about the controls is you can actually change uh, the buttons whether they do or yes. at least yep. the four face buttons. Yep. Which is really interesting. You never seen that too often in games. Cap like this. Capcom and Konami often did that like in their games, both the eight bit and sixteen bit uh, uh, titles. They usually they usually had an option screen uh, like in their games to allow you to be able to change. You know, change the controller, the, the, the controllers around. Uh, many of the companies didn't do that, but those two yeah. like often did in their games. It's really interesting. Which is why Capcom and Konami, I consider them at least, I consider Capcom and Konami games to be the pinnacle of their success, uh, like these co uh, systems. You know, back, like back when I was a kid buying like NES, uh, 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 buying NES Super NES games, I knew I could walk into a store and buy a Capcom or Konami game. Sight unseen, knowing nothing about the game, period. Uh, buy it with 40, 50 bucks, like my, like my hard-earned allowance money, like what have you, and knew I was getting a good game. Because their games back then were still good. Boy. And this game's no exception. This is a great game. It's definitely, like, you know, like what we've been saying, like, you know, this is definitely one of the best shooters, like, shooters available, shooters available, like, this, uh, like, this console. So, um, if you've not played it, I definitely... Um, then if you have even like an inkling, in, like in like challenging shooters, you know, I definitely recommend it. Uh, recommend playing it, whether like in real form or emulation, like the highest praise. So I don't know. Don't know if this is available on Virtual Console. I couldn't find that out. I don't think it is. I I haven't seen it online. So yeah. So so like so yeah. You can either pick up the cart cheap, uh, like an eBay, like we said, or try it out like an emulation. Eh? Um. Yeah, you know, two thumbs up, way, way up for this game. Like, oh, definitely. It. 
my thumbs are like non-existent. They are so far <laughs> up. They're in the sky. Uh, uh, so, any last like final thoughts? Like, like final thoughts or um, observations? Like, observations about this game uh, before we like put this episode to bed, gents? No, no, let's do it. This game, this game is yeah. Um, it's a pleasure to talk about it because it's one of the uh, um, for me top twenty Super NES games. Um, top twenty genre, so I would say top, top five. I could say top five. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> come on! This we're very blessed. This console has a lot of great games. Um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> personally, preference for someone who doesn't love this genre, like to have it in its top twenty, like that's a big deal for me. Well, um, I'm a big RPG one, guy, so yeah. Oh well, then you know, the Super Nat, it's a, the king. Oh, oh the king. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I just you know for someone who I just recently bought a Super Nintendo, um, and I'm, I'm not going to be a collector, but I'm going to buy the games that I love. This is definitely on my list um, to eventually pick up a card because again, it's got a lot of layers of depth and it's strategic, um, and I like that about something um, for something so old. I guess um, that has that element. So yeah, mm. check it out. Uh, so George, it was definitely a pleasure having you here in the podcast with us. Yeah, thank you for having yeah. me. Um, so yeah, and I wish you the highest success, uh, but you and your uh, co-host, like the, the continued well-being, like your, like your second master's system podcast. Thank um, you so much. Uh, so where can folks find your podcast, podcast at, and where can they find you at? Well, uh, we're on iTunes. If you look up master system masterpieces, we're also on Stitcher. If you have an Android device or you just want to listen on your PC, um, we have a Facebook group. If you go to facebook.com slash groups slash MSM podcast, uh, we also are hosted on my website, which is theboxfort.net. And, um, you know, if you want to contact us, it's uh, MSM at theboxfort.net. And uh, I, have a tw- I have a Twitter handle if you want to follow me and uh, talk to me there. That's uh, at Mr. Chief at M I S T U R C H E E F. I think that's it. So, is your podcast a weekly or bi weekly? See, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> recently, we've had uh, some scheduling issues, but uh, we're, I think we've cleared them up right now, so uh, we are going for weekly. And, um, and if you're able to divulge this, what's the next day? So what's the next game that you guys are covering? The next game, uh, we're going to do Art Type, and we're actually going to have uh, Aaron Hickman from Retro Obscura. Ooh, yeah, Aaron's a huge Art Type fan. That should be a great yes. episode. Yes. The Art Type game for Super NES was not that good, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, it isn't that good on the no. Master System either. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a game. That, yeah, that's a game. Unfortunately, that's great in the arcades, but kind of suffered like the home versions. Oh, but you know, our type three, however, looks excellent. I think that's a great game. <gasps> but so yeah, that should be yeah, that should be like a great episode. So you know, I definitely, um, I definitely wish you like you know, like like continued success, like while being like that, like the podcast. You guys definitely have a lot of games to cover. The library mm-hmm. that's almost as big as Super NES library. So you guys have been doing that uh, like for a while, I think. So <laughs> yeah, and then we don't know what to do after that. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would like to uh, just uh, yeah wish you the best, man. I, I will definitely put your um, podcast details and everything else within the um, the title of this podcast when we when we put it out, so people can find your details there as well. And I'd just like to plug um, 
I've got a podcast called Gaming and Heartbreak. Um, I just covered the Arkham um, series, the Batman Arkham series. So if you're a fan of that, check it out. It's a short podcast. It's not too long. Um, so you can find me on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just type in Gaming and Heartbreak. And you can find this podcast, as always, on Facebook. Uh, like we have a group page there. And you can also send me an email directly to the SNES podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, we're also available on iTunes Stitcher. And we're in the middle of doing a server move. Uh, as, a, um, as the first week of August, we're going to be over on... Like we're going to change over from Podomatic, which we're currently on, like over to Lipsyn. Uh, so we will, like we will like announce the hopefully in the next episode. Like we have the link, you know, link to be able to share, uh, just like share all you like for that. And speaking and speaking about the next episode, uh, we do not. Uh, we think we know what game what. So what game we're covering yet, but there's still there's always the subject of a maybe a last minute change. So I don't want to risk a risk a a risk anything at this point. So let's just say that we're going to have a very a, a very prominent a prominent and well known uh, uh, podcaster uh, fighting the show with us. Are so you going to play Super Noah's Ark 3D? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to have a good I mean, game on this podcast. Wait, that's not a good game? Uh, that's my number one SNES list, uh, game. Just for the listeners' reference, also, um, at this point, the Disney episode, which is episode 24, has not gone up yet due to technical reasons. So you you could probably be hearing this first. So if anything, the Disney episode will probably come after the UN Squadron episode. Um, stay tuned for more information. And speaking about, like, about possibly, possibly hearing things... Uh, like out of order, um, I am not at full liberty at this point to divulge all the details. But yours truly is going to hopefully uh, start being or start being a regular regular host on regular host like on another podcast. Um, mm. We're going to be we're supposed to be recording that episode uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, uh, like as I'm recording this. So again, I don't know which episode is going to go up first, so I don't want to uh, 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 upset. Uh, 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 or spill anything at this point by saying what podcast it is, but uh, I've been talking to the person all week, and things are looking promising, and, you know, I think that, you know, with the great job that my fellow co-host, like Alessandro, has done, uh, uh, helped me out with this podcast, and, and with this podcast now being bi-weekly, uh, I, felt, I felt comfortable enough to take up the invite uh, and to, and to fly, fly, join, fly join a second podcast. Uh, uh, podcast. All I can uh, all I can say the, the, all I can say at this point is it's also retro, like retro gaming in nature. Um, and I will be able to divulge more details on that for the next episode. I wish you luck with that, and I really want to see what it comes it comes out to be. I wish I could say I really do. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure uh, out at some point in time. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, you know, my fellow host. Uh, on that podcast, uh, is wanting to make this kind of a surprise. So, and like I say, you know, I don't know when. The, um, I'm not sure which episode. Like I'm going out first, so um, just uh, j- just being cautious. But um, it's not a podcast based on the Atari Jaguar, is it? No, I thought. Like, oh, like they'll actually, if somebody did, uh, they'll actually, if somebody, if somebody discard one of those. Um, like, you know what? Doesn't do it. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll let you in on a secret, and this will be only on your podcast. I'm actually working on a podcast that uh, follows the games of the 3DO and the Atari Jaguar. Interesting. Yes. Yes. No, I had a 3DO for a short time, like about 10 years ago. Uh, very, very interesting system. Like, very underrated. So, 
Uh, oh, it's very, it's you know, it's really nice. I like it a lot. The the Jaguar, on the other hand, is yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, Atari Age form is well known, like for like flame wars that break out. Like, <laughs> Jaguar, Jaguar debates and discussions on there. So it definitely it definitely provokes the most uh, passionate debates among right. retro gaming consoles. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, like their debates are bigger than the old Genesis versus Super NES uh, 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 console wars. So, <laughs> but I wish the best of luck for that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it sounds very promising. So. Um, all right, all. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us talk about this great Super NES game. Check it out, definitely, but if you're not. Uh, George, thank you again for being on the podcast with us. Um, hey, thanks, but you know, but you know, maybe I can, maybe I can, maybe I can guest host on your podcast like at some future point. You know, if either of you guys want to come on, we have an open door policy. You know, anyone that doesn't even do a podcast and they want to send me an email or something and they want to come on and talk about a game, I have no problem with that. Well, I'll throw my hat like well, I'll throw my hat like into the ring for when you guys like, get everyone covering covering Fantasy Star. I know it's one of the most popular like popular games like the console, but you know it's but you know but you know for an early RPG like it's very very impressive. And I certainly... oh, it's it's a good game. I can't wait to actually uh, buy it because uh, it's probably one of my favorites on the Master System. Mm. Yeah, def- definitely like for good reason. So okay. Uh, Okay, thanks again for everybody out there like for, like for support. Uh, please send us feedback, comments, suggestions, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, we definitely love to hear that stuff. And, you know, hopefully, um, uh, and stay tuned at this podcast. You'll be hearing at least one, if not more, audio submissions uh, that, people, that people have problems to send me. So stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you again all for listening, and take care. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep of power.